90s radio on Solo Radio. I'm Selena Gordon and I'm here in my kitchen with Amarose Abram and Matt And we're here to bring you the July episode, episode 8 of Roaring 20s Radio. It's going to feel a little bit like a July, a little bit like a festival, but without the rain. Without the portaloos. Flat beer in plastic cups. And without the weeing in your wellies and getting rain in your tent. Just basically <laughs> like a festival, but without having to leave your home. Okay, let's kickstart this show. We've got some amazing stuff. We've got art, poetry, all kinds of beautiful things to share with you. Our dream lineup for a July festival. But let's kickstart the show with some Northern Soul. And what's the next song? We're going to open with Patty Austin with Didn't Say a Word.
wonderful Patty Austin. Uh, now we're going to have a live performance from Selena Godden. Uh, Selena, you wrote a poem uh, recently, didn't you, that made a lot of people angry and a lot of people happy as well. It made people happy, it made people angry. Would you like me to share it with you today? Yes. It's a very short poem. It's called Super Saturday and it goes exactly like this. Pack a pub, give them beer, pints of virus, shots of fear, watch them fall, gutter sick, cull the poor, kill them quick, parliament, let nurses down, clap, 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 for the clown, last orders, Covid beer, poor libations, costs us dear, lies and shame, drink or bust, Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Please drink responsibly, please wear a mask, please be safe and please be sound. Thank you. And now, thanks Selena for that, that was fantastic. And now we're going to hear Nadine Shah with Kitchen Sink. Don't you worry what the neighbours think They're characters from kitchen sink Forget about the curtain twitches Gossip and boring bunch of bitches And I just let them pass me by And I just let them pass me by I wasted time with paranoia Don't let an ugly thought destroy They'll pick a fight just for the sake of it But let it lie and they'll grow tired of it And I just let them pass me by And I just let them pass me by Just 
Follow the science. Public service announcement by the UK government. Death is knocking at the door. Shake his hand. Show defiance. Ignore his grim, whispering sigh. Wash your hands. Follow the science. Change the science. Don't lick doorknobs. Go out if you must. Stay at home. Lock it down and ramp it up. Paint a rainbow. Monochrome. Watch out. There's a mugger about. Be unsure of a big surprise. Wrestle that mugger to the floor. He's invisible. Use your eyes. Fight the enemy tooth and nail. Send him packing. Take control. Sit on his sombrero. Squash him. Whack him like a plastic mule. Clap for nurses dressed in bin bags. Doctors wearing marigolds. Dance a conga round a care home. Job for Jesus. Don't catch colds. Keep calm. Carry on. Panic. Keep your distance side by side. Come out from your alpine tunnel. Move a mountain. Turn the tide. Disinfect yourself with common sense. Your country needs you back to work. Over the top with typhoid Mary. Do or die. Be more Dunkirk. Sacrifice your health. Save our wealth. Salute the contradictory. Fill up our world-beating morgues. Dig your own grave for victory. Stay alert. Stop. Look. Listen. Think. Careful now. Say oops upside your head. Kill a giraffe. Sit in a cornflake. Ride a black swan. Eat garlic bread. Let your leaders spread the blame. Bury your silly little head in the sand. Mind your tone as they mask the truth. And wash, wash, wash their bloody hands. Nadine Shah with Kitchen Sink with her brilliant new album A Kitchen Sink by the same name look out for that if you haven't listened to that yet I really highly recommend that we also had a poem Follow the Science from Elvis McGonagall stand-up poet comedian broadcaster armchair revolutionary and walking shortbread tin Elvis McGonagall has a new book coming out it's called The Complete and Utter Cult and it's going to be released this year with Burning Eye Burning Eye Books so look out for that there's some incredible stuff coming actually from Burning Eye Books talking about poetry Matt Abbott what have you got for us for July 
Well, Bernie and I have released two books uh, recently that are really exciting. So Erin Bolands has published her debut collection, Alternate Endings, and I think it's actually on its third reprint, and it's not. it only came out on Thursday. Amazing. She sold like three or four boxes oh, that's before fantastic. it actually came out. Well yeah, done, yeah. well done. And, and also on Bernie and I is uh, Afsan D'Souza Lodi, um, her collection Redesire, that's her second collection, that's, that's made a lot of waves recently in the poetry world. Um, away, from, away from Bernie and I, we've got Verve. So Verve have just released four pamphlets on pre-order. Louise Fazakali, Helen Calcutt, Carrie Etta and Shazia Kuraishi. They're out in September and October. Um, and no releases specifically, but Pending the Margins, who are a wonderful publisher, they've got 50% off all of their books throughout July. So if you want to support indies and add to your reading list, Pending the Margins, they've got 50% off. And some fantastic uh, titles. Yeah, they're really good. It's not just poetry, there's all kinds of titles on there. But yeah, P- Pending the Margins are a great publisher. And the last release I wanted to mention was Lisa Lux, who I believe is reading later on in the show. Uh, Trust Your Outrage, it's a poetry chat book on the body as a site of protest, and it's out now. We're going to be hearing from Lisa Lux a bit later on in the show. That's great. And what about events? Have we got anything happening on online? I know obviously we can't go to venues, but people are partying in their phones, Matt. What is going on? Yeah, Where is the party at? Tons of stuff. So Apples and Snakes have got their Apples and Snakes at Home series, uh, which is hosted by Vanessa Kasuli. Uh, the second episode of the new series was out on Thursday, starring Toby Campion, Kareem Parkins-Brown and Remy Graves. Uh, so that's a great series of events every week on YouTube. Uh, we have an Indian summer festival which is uh, throughout August which is which showcases South Asian culture and the arts and features poets including Shruti Shauhan. Um, Sonic Youth are doing their gig as I've mentioned every second Thursday. Oh that's good that's good stuff I keep meaning to to catch those. Yeah they're really good it's poetry uh, authors comedians stuff like that. Uh, Luke Wright's not doing them every day anymore. He's doing them every week. How but many he, did he do in he, the end? He, he reached he did the 100. 100. Yeah. Well done to Luke. Come on, yeah, round of applause. That's Luke. amazing. Yeah, yeah, fair play to him. Um, the University of Hertfordshire, they've got their Festival festival Ideas online uh, throughout July. That features Joel Taylor, Anthony Anaxaguru, Ollie O'Neill, uh, and loads more poets, so you should definitely amazing. check that one out. Bad Betty have got a launch on Instagram on the 30th of July. Uh, Rumour by William G and Sylvanian Family by Summer Young. So that's on Instagram on the 30th of July. Um, Radio 4, this isn't an event, but Radio 4 are playing Telling Tales again. Some they day. are. They're playing my, my... It's an hour-long show and it's pretty much all the things, lots of the things that I've made from my dramas to documentaries, albums, books. And it's like an hour show highlighting some of the work I've done, work with Peter Coit. Um, when this show was made, um, I was still in the early process of the first drafts of Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. So there's a snippet of that. It's a very exciting thing to have made and they're, they're going to be playing that on the 21st and the 22nd of July. Exactly. So if you want, this is where you go if you your one-stop shop learn about Selena, your starter pack. <laughs> it's like a starter pack program. <laughs> <laughs> nice so that's uh, on the 21st and 22nd you say yeah amazing um, so we also have some workshops uh, Teresa Lola is doing an introduction to poetry workshop on the 16th which is free there might still be places left that's through Voice Magazine um, and Spread the Word have launched their Take Flight Hub which is a professional and creative development programme for unpublished writers of colour and that runs until the end of July so that's well worth checking out uh, and then there's a night run by Tease Women Poets up in the northeast called Diverse. They're going to be starting a new series of online events throughout August. Um, they do incredible events in Middlesbrough, so do check that out. 
Um, and then Nims and Fugs, we're doing the Livewire Colchester event and the final Livewire Leeds event online. So keep your eye out, we're going to be announcing them very soon. Um, we do our weekly Insta sessions every Tuesday from half seven to eight as well. Um, Just to backtrack on that, for that Spread the Word Masterclass, I believe I'm doing one on the 28th of July. Amazing. I'm not sure of the date. Have a look on my Instagram, have a look on my website. I think it's the 28th of July. I'm doing a masterclass. You can sign up. Um, it's for uh, black BAME writers, unpublished writers. Come join me. Um, um, and, and yeah, look, look, look that up on Spread the Word. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like a, there's so many talks and masterclasses and performances and stuff. Uh, I remember the last one I wanted to mention for events was the Poetry Translation Centre. They've got um, Ribka Sihatu doing a tour at the moment. She's a poet and refugee rights activist with an amazing story. And she's doing loads of events for the Poetry Translation Centre. Um, in terms of content, the, the Voices of Manchester podcast has been really popular. That's hosted by Rory Aaron. Uh, and recent guests have included Louise Fazakale and, and Keisha Thompson. Um, Sabrina Mafuz is, is helping to run an organisation called Artists Fund Artists. Oh yeah, this is cool. Yeah, uh, black artists can get a £500 grant in August. So if you email artistsfundartists at gmail.com, you can nominate an artist that you think is worthy um, and you can donate as well. So check that out and follow Sabrina Mafuz to, to learn more about that. Um, there's actually been tons of good stuff in The Guardian recently. Uh, Roger Robinson meets Rachel Long was a really nice feature. They're doing uh, a series of features on cross-generational black artists, black British artists. So that was Roger Robinson meets Rachel Long. Um, and they also did a great piece recently called Poetic Justice, which was Black Lives and the Power of Poetry, um, which had Linton Kwesi Johnson and Vanessa Kasuli and others. We should congratulate Linton on his award. Yes, yeah, yeah, he yeah. won yeah. the Pemp Enterprise. He did. Congratulations, yeah. Linton. Yeah, he's, he's a living legend, as he was described. He's, he's thoroughly deserving of that. Uh, it's about time, really. Yeah, too right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, congratulations to Caleb Parkin, who's the new Bristol City poet, filling some big boots there. But I think I think Caleb will do well. Um, and a lovely word, which is a bit a night in Liverpool. They're running free workshops on the 14th and 28th of July, and a few in August as well, with poets including Nafisa Hamid. Um, Helen Mort was on Poetry Please recently. That's well worth listening back to. Well, she's incredible too, hey. Yeah, and I also wanted to say, uh, it's not an event or anything, but Michael Rosen is now out of hospital and recovering Yay. at home. Which is beautiful, I think. Yeah, that's, that was such yeah. good news, wasn't Great it? Great news to have. Yeah. That is a fantastic page of stuff, events, content, <laughs> books. You're probably going to have to rewind all of that. But thank you, Matt. Thank you for that. Cool, thanks. And check our Twitter for links to everything that Matt's mentioned. Yeah, that's uh, Roaring Twenties Radio, and the Twenties is two zero S on Twitter.
Thank you.
you're tuned in to Roaring Twenties Radio. Coming up next, we have an interview with Amma Rose and Elena Emmott. She's a portrait food and still life photographer with a strong background in fashion and textiles. I met Elena uh, by doing protests and marches, and she's just a fantastic spirit and a fantastic soul. Her work can be seen in editorial magazines and advertising campaigns, but I know her work as being viral on Instagram and all over the internet um, as images of protests, um, strong images of women in protest um, and a lot of people perhaps didn't feel comfortable going and protesting for Black Lives Matter during COVID-19. I was really grateful to have those images and share those images and see people gathering um, I, and I just think her work so powerful and wonderful. Anyway, it's enough from me. Let's have a listen to what Amarose and Elena chatted about. Hi, Elena. Thank you so hey, much for coming you? on the show. Thank you. Thanks well, for having me. Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio. I just wanted to ask you to start off with, um, how did you, what made you start taking pictures? Um, it was quite a strange start. I was involved in a motorbike accident. Um, I was a pillion passenger. So I... Um, flew over the air and landed on my head. I'm and they sorry. They had to cut me out of my leathers, yeah. Oh my I was God. a personal trainer at the time. Yeah. So um, I had a broken collarbone and so couldn't work. Um, so I, um, I ended up finding um, a film camera that I had at home and started, uh, started to teach myself yeah. um, with a notebook. And um, that is honestly how it started. It, it, it absolutely saved me. Up until that point, I'd always taken pictures. I was always the photographer in the family, but yeah. and my pictures were good. Everyone loved my pictures, but I never really seriously um, considered, um, you know, photography or, or myself. It was just one of those things, um, you know, that that I did uh, in the past. Previous to that, I was a fashion designer, sure. so um, you know, I was creative, but I was sketching, I was drawing, I was designing, um, and I used to hire photographers. So I never considered myself as a photographer. And did um, you, but were you it, taking pictures at home um, in, during your recovery or was it part of your road to recovery? Um, I was taking pictures um, at home. Um, my son, um, yes. who is very patient, <laughs> still lives, as everyone starts off with, you know, fruit in a bowl, yes. um, working through the different exposures, um, working working through uh, the settings on the camera, putting it on manual and taking pictures. And I literally, um, I used to hobble to Snappy Snaps um, <laughs> off Oxford Street, get it developed there, and then come home feeling incredibly disappointed and then write it in a sketchbook as to why this picture, you know, what exposure it was, what the settings were, why I liked it, why I didn't like it. Uh, and occasionally I, I might have one that actually worked. And I did that for about six months. That's amazing. It's a very, very methodical process that you have. It was lovely, actually. It yeah. was lovely. But also, it, 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 take, it took my mind off, um, you know, having a broken collarbone. And yes. as, as the surgeon said to me, bone heals when bone heals. Oh. So it puts you into a different mindset. Yeah, of course. And, um, and why, what drew you to portraits in the end? Well, um, I do a lot of different kinds of photography. Yes. Um, I do food as well as portraits. Yes. Um, I mean, faces. Um, I, I just love faces. I think that um, it's almost like working with cloth. Um, 
you can make uh, a garment out of cloth and um, the skin is the cloth to the face. Oh. And um, you learn so much from, from looking at someone, but really looking and understanding and just um, having a conversation with the eyes. Um, and that's, I, I, I just love it. It's, it's a real pleasure for, to um, be in front of someone and for someone to give me their time, even if it's a couple of seconds. A lot of the portraits I take can have to be quite quick. Um, so I, um, you know, I, I, I feel incredibly humbled um, hmm. when, I'm, when, I'm, when I meet someone with the eyes yes. and uh, we have an understanding. That's wonderful. It must be a wonderful moment. And what draws you to a subject, um, what draws you to um, either a study, a series, or a particular subject? Um, I do a lot of um, protest photography. Yes. Um, I was the official photographer for Women's March London. Yes. When it started in 2017. So um, I realised when I started sharing my pictures, I was getting you know, like a, say, 2,000, 3,000 likes for one picture. So I thought, oh, this is good. Um, I need to, uh, so I contacted them and said, I need to be your official photographer. And they said, yeah, well, you are now. <laughs> and so, um, so that was in 2017, yes. the um, inauguration. And um, then all my pictures were being shared. And it, it kind of, so then I attended each march and rally and protest and documented it. And at the same time, um, I was also asked to be the official photographer for UK Black Pride yes. and Million Women Rise, so I met those groups. So it kind of led from one thing led to another. And I thought, okay, oh, you know, do you want me to take pictures? Or I took pictures at their events and shared them, and then they liked them, and they said, would you come to the next one? So it was very organic um, how it happened. Yeah. I, um, uh, yeah, I'm a 51-year-old black woman, and um, my son has um, Asperger's. Uh -huh. um, so I'm always interested in taking pictures of people who look like me or people who are who I find interesting or different. Yes. Um, so that's what, um, there's got to be something. It could be a, a feeling, um, you know, I take pictures of men, uh, women, um, and it's got to be a feeling. They, they, I just get this... Um, this sort of goosebumpy um, feeling, yes. um, and I know when the shot is right. It, it, it's, but first of all, I talk to them um, and, and sort of um, so share. Because I mean, I people will be able to find you. What's your Instagram handle? My Instagram for food. It's my surname and first name, Emot Elena, yes. and then for my uh, portraits and protests. It's imaginatively Elena Emmott. <laughs> <laughs> Everything covered there. But, you're, I mean, I just have been seeing your images shared to me on my feed, on your feed, and also shared by just so many different people, black, white, men, women, all genders, yeah. all yeah. races, um, yeah. because of what you capture in your protest photography. It's really a moment and a mood and we're in a unique mood at the moment i mean because we of the pandemic and because of black lives matter and the momentum but um there's something about your pictures where it's not just a photo there is yeah. emotion there and i wondered you talk about that feeling that goosebump feeling when you when you see a moment what's it like covering protests the ones that we've had at the moment well, obviously I've been um, covering, as I say, the protests for several yes. years. It's not just of the moment going out with the camera. And that's the thing. Um, you know, anything that you become good at takes time. 
and um, you you in, you know you um, invest in it. Um, so it's not a sort of oh, there's been a Black Lives Matter. Let me take a, a picture. Sure. I've been taking pictures of the head of Black Lives Matter. Um, I think about four years ago uh, when she came over, um, Patrice Cullors. Um So you know, it, all of those things sort of add up to add up to the moment. Um, UK Black Pride asked me to take a picture of um, Nelson Mandela's granddaughter, and that again was a moment. And the things she said to me when I took her portrait were were quite you know, just amazing.
that was Arlo Parks with the track Black Dog, um, a song which um, many people have been applauding partly because of its beauty, partly because it draws um, attention to mental health and mental health awareness, which is so important to us all at this time when so many of us have been under, under pressure as key workers or in isolation or quarantined. So, I mean, I think that's really struck a chord with everybody, that track. And that brings me on to um, a little shout out for a family member, but also a um, very poignant project that she's working on. My niece, Ayanna, Dr. Ayanna Abrams, lives in Atlanta, in Georgia, and she has a practice there. She's a clinical psychologist, and she's founded a project called Not So Strong, um, with another clinical psychiatrist and its focus is to uplift and improve the mental health of black women through vulnerable storytelling and reconnecting us to close relationships with other black women she puts it she has been and her project has been featured in the new york times this past week in the article what to say when people tell you their coronavirus fears by anna goldfarb and it goes into all the things i'm sure we're all dealing with at the moment which is this affects us all differently. Everyone's got their different take. And in a way, we've all got to kind of hunker down and do what we've got to do to get through as individuals and collectively. And that has its challenges. This article is fantastic. We'll be tweeting it out with the show so you can have a read of it. And um, you can find Ayana at Dr. Underscore Ayana Underscore A on Instagram to find more of her tips on how to cope in quarantine and with life in general. Fantastic. I'll be looking that up. Okay, coming up next, we have something from Lisa Lux. She's a writer, performer, activist of British Syrian heritage. She's been broadcast on the BBC, Vice, TEDx. She's won loads of awards. She was the UK's top four queer poets for Diva magazine. As Matt mentioned earlier, she has a new pamphlet out, Trust Your Outrage, a poetry chapbook that explores the body as a site of protest, including poems on gender, sexuality, menstruation and being mixed heritage. What Matt didn't mention, which I find extremely interesting, is it exists entirely in the economy of sisterhood, which is to say that everybody who financially benefits from this project is woman or non-binary. Plus a pound from every sale is donated to Black Women's Mental Health Projects. It's available, uh, sorry, Black Women's Mental Health Project, just tea. It's available from the shop on her website, www.lisalux.com. Let's hear a little bit from Lisa Lux now. Sisterhood is not friendship. It's a woman akin, related to you by the pain you've been in. When I say sister, I do not mean friend. I mean a woman complete, whose cracks never need mend. When I say sister, I mean, I echo the gong of your moon and giddy or mad, you're safe to do you when I'm in the room. When I say sister, it means hold my hand. 
even though you don't like me, and you'll never understand why my humour is wicked and my manner is crass, why I'm still immature and my temper is fast. When I say sister, it doesn't mean that you make me relax, it means you make me uncomfortable. But I welcome that. When I say sister, it means you have the power to make me hurt. But I trust all I receive from you will give me a lesson to learn. When I say sister, it means this promise. I'll keep working on my strength and from it I'll become the warrior, the medicine and the mama. Because one day, just in case you ever need me when I say, sister, it means I'll be ready. Roaring Twenties Radio, the show for the 2020s. Roaring for art, culture, books, poetry and activism. With Selena Gordon, Emma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. Find us every month on Soho Radio. You can find previous episodes as podcasts and social media links at anchor.fm forward slash Roaring Twenties Radio and the Twenties is a two zero S. The dining table does not know why its guests sit two metres apart. Elbows stand like television antennas, the relics of an older world. I flick between Naomi Klein's shock doctrine and clips of most shocking Big Brother moments. A fly on the wall, the eye of the storm. The bed is an organ more useful than any appendix. My spine is skipping rope, meandering a purified Thames. Nature is allowed to be noisy now. There's a ghost of that silver goldfish that fell under this same bed 16 years ago, swimming in circles. I dropped its home. A man-made pebble sprawl like the tide's revenge across the laminate. An afterbirth. But it survived. Longer than his name. After he only knew to swim in circles, stirring the water like a baker. Could have been a stroke. Might have been the smallness of the tank. It's said an orca's fin flops over when raised in captivity, prostrating to an unseen master. These days this cage humbles like hunger. I rummage the aisles of this phone's gallery contemplating if I should upload those holiday snaps from before the planes were grounded. Tiramisu in Rome, a dried fruit stalled in Doyotanon, dim sum dripping into bowls of bog. But who would that bring comfort to? What's an atlas to a mole besides decent bedding, scrapped and stripped? The season's out of sync, or perhaps we are. Perhaps we always have been. Our routines left early like an exit wound. Birds braver than usual, singing their ancient songs, sowing their kernels of truth, while we rest between hibernation, silently embarrassed between metamorphosis, wondering what world we'll wake to, what circles will be drawn, what circles will be drawn. really true how nothing matters no mad mad world and no mad hatters no one's pitching cause there ain't no batters in coconut grove don't bother the door there's no one coming the ocean's roar will dull the drumming of any city thoughts of city way 
The ocean breezes cool my mind The salty days are hers and mine Just to do what we want Tonight we'll find a dune that's ours And softly she will speak the stars until sun up It's all from having someone knowing Just which way your head is blowing Who's always warm like in the morning In coconut grove The ocean breeze is cool my mind The salty days are hers in mind just to do what we wanted Tonight we'll find a dune that's ours and softly she will speak the stars until sun up It's really true how nothing matters No mad mad world and no mad hatters No one's pitching cause there ain't no batters in coconut grove After Lisa Lux, we had a reading from Camille Mahmood. Uh, Camille is a spoken word artist and a visual artist born and raised in Birmingham. His work explores identity, community, Islam and the British-Pakistani diaspora, masculinity and international activism. He combines contemporary commentary with narratives of often overlooked and unheard, champions words as tools for change. He's worked with organisations including Beat Freaks and Birmingham Rep and he's performed at Outspoken Live and the Verve Poetry Festival. His debut collection, Mute Men, was published by Verve Poetry Press in 2019. And next, we're going to hear from Iona Lee, and Selena's going to tell us about Iona. Okay, yeah, coming up next, we've got Iona Lee. She's a poet, illustrator, and spoken word performer from Scotland. It says here Selena Gordon forced her to be a poet one snowy night in Edinburgh. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to remark on that. And she's been hard at work down the poetry mines, mining diamonds ever since. She's widely published and has appeared on both television and radio. Iona has performed her work all over the UK and Europe, representing Scotland at the World Slam Championships in Paris. Her debut pamphlet, which is incredible by the way, was published by Polygon in 2018. It went on to be shortlisted for a Saboteur Award and a Saltire Award. Iona also fronts a beat poetry band called Acolyte. Acolyte, sorry, Acolyte. Let's have a little bit from Iona Lee up in Scotland. Hello lovelies. Iona Lee here uh, from all the way in Glasgow. I'm going to read a brand new poem. It's not been published anywhere or anything. Uh, it's called anamnesis, which is a beautiful word that means memories of a past life. He opened with a kiss, his tongue a little hors d'oeuvre before leaving for the gym. I nibbled it, suddenly overcome with ennui. 
Is this what it has come to? Exercising on purpose. Climbing hills just to climb back down again. Sometimes I feel like a babe station girl, but no one is calling. Someone please tell me what they want me to do. Sometimes I feel like a video game character, but my player has left the room to make a cheese sandwich. Sometimes I wander aimlessly through Debenhams. I want to feel so alive. I want to own a small fusion restaurant. I want to play the tambourine in a Brian Jonestown Massacre tribute band. I would much rather dance on a pirate ship, the black and pearl drop rain bouncing like a giant's broken necklace all across the deck than answer the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Because honestly, I chiefly see myself five years ago. Like if only we could play still, how we did when we were kids. Hold your hand up to your ear. The sea is calling. I will be the mummy and you will be the daddy and we can make a palace of this fallen tree. We just need two bits of imagination to rub together. Sometimes I think of all the flats that I have lived in. They constitute the shape of times gone by. We mistook the city for a moon found ourselves enthusiastically blue-tacking, making bohemian palaces of whatever squat we'd landed in. Everything smelt new. Sometimes I think that I would do it all again, but shinier. Like how the Renaissance redid the ancient world, or how the 90s did the 60s again, with ecstasy. The tragic thing is that I, I quite enjoy yoga and I can't be fucked with techno anymore. Roaring Twenties Radio, the show for the 2020s, roaring for art, culture, books, poetry and activism with Selena Gordon, Emma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. Find us every month on Soho Radio. You can find previous episodes as podcasts and social media links at anchor.fm forward slash roaring 20s radio and the 20s is a 20s. Wish I could write poetry to my grandmother in Gujarati. Weave intricate stories and memories, share acknowledgement of her a blessing in my life. Illustrate all stories etched in my story. Half-term excitement as a child, logs of books selected at Highfield's library, hidden away tucked into a grocery bag, skipping, the waft and aroma of her cooking in the kitchen. Better make it before 10.30, gliding my feet down Galaxy Walk, just in time to eat fresh chapatis. Mum made rotis too. There was an extra special taste of Barbie made by Ma's hands, her delicate wrinkled hands carving circles before placing dough onto a door. Wrist flicking, flower inflating, palms rotating, chapati flipping, resting elbows on the kitchen table, eyes wide, hunger staring, hands washed, tongue salivating, watching as she placed piping round hot chapatis onto flower decorated plates, chairs scraping the kitchen floor. 
pushing in, about to tuck in. Butter spread by her flower, glittered hands. Chapatis rolled like ancient scrolls. Ma's recipe nobody could imitate. For the taste lay in the buds of her fingertips. Later, her granddaughter learnt in her youth she made chapati for whole villages. How much of a blessing it has been to eat morsels from Ma's hands. Onions hissing on the stove. Shedding their skin to her flute at the crack of dawn. Gluttonous rituals. Three sittings on Eid day. In the afternoon at dinner when uncles and cousins came. Licking fingers, gobbling two lambriani plates. No rice grain visible. Fingers, masala, stained. Betty came by on her way Said she had a word to say About things today Said she hadn't heard the news Hadn't had the time to choose A way to lose But she believes Gonna see the river man Gonna tell him all I If he tells me all he knows About the way his river flows And all night shows In summertime Said she prayed today for the sky to blow away, or maybe stay. She wasn't sure. For when she thought of summer rain, calling for her mind again. Lost the pain and stayed for more. Gonna see the river man, gonna tell him all I can about the band.
If it tells me all he knows About the way his river flows I don't suppose It's meant for me You won't watch in Bruges before you go. You'll spend the day looking at things and climbing things. You'll go to a restaurant alone and order the mussels. It will feel good to pay with your own money. You'll drink Pepsi Max in a bar and say your own silly version of the serenity prayer. A man serving you will ask what you're reading. You will be glad he's never heard of the bell jar. You'll get a text telling you that you're a real piece of shit. You have some stuff you need to work through, Red, like how you interact with the people you care about. You imagine how lovable you'll be when all the hard work pays off and you finally become a good person. It will be the first night of a new decade and you won't feel like writing. You'll go to your hotel room and watch Finding Nemo with Dutch subtitles. You won't even mind the mild peril of it all. You'll want a drink, but you'll eat chocolate instead. God will grant you the serenity to turn these unbearable feelings into cold, hard cash. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio, the brand new radio show for art, culture, books, poetry and activism. You've just heard a poem by Sharifa Energy, a song by Nick Drake and another poem by Emily Harrison. Sharifa Energy is a spoken word poet, writer, mentor and workshop facilitator. Her poetry is raw, honest and consistent against injustice. Her poetry is featured on The One Show, Channel 4 and ITV and been published in various publications, including her debut collection, which was published by Burning Eye Books in autumn 2019. And Emily Harrison won the spoken word, uh, Best Spoken Word Performer at the Saboteur Awards a couple of years back. Her full-length poetry collection, I Can't Sleep Because My Bed's On Fire, is also published by Burning Eye Books. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's at Roaring Twenties Radio and the 20s is 20S. And you can hear all of the previous episodes on Spotify and other podcast providers, anchor.fm slash Roaring Twenties Radio. Up next, we're going to have the book roundup by Selena Godden. Hello, hello. Okay, so I've been very busy reading. There's a lot of books this month and I've got a lot to say. Um... On my book recommendations list, um, Nikesh Shukla, Brown Baby, that's being published by Bluebird. Um, that's coming out next February, but we might have a little exclusive reading from that coming up. Also, keep your eye out for Courtier Newland's A River Called Time coming out with Canongate. I've mentioned that book before, but I really highly recommend it. I also will completely keep plugging Niven Govindan's This Brutal House, which has just come out in paperback on Dialogue Books. Bernadine Evaristo is cleaning up on um, winning all the prizes so make sure you get yourself a copy of Girl, Woman, Other. Irina Sun Okoji, Nudie Branch is another book that's on my radar. 
Also on my radar is Britt Bennett, The Vanishing Half, coming out with dialogue books. Also coming out is Saeed Jones, How We Fight for Our Lives. Saeed is an award-winning poet and that book's on its way. Also look out for Nyasha Jr., Black Samson, The Untold Story of an American Icon. I'm going to give you some more books in a minute, um, but first of all I want to tell you that I finished Alan Moore's Jerusalem. This was my book for lockdown. That is a book that is over a million words long and I managed to read it with the audiobook and the book in my lap um, through lockdown and I've completed it and my head is full of just the most amazing images of life and death and angels and devils and demons and blood and guts and spunk and life and eggs and the whole bloody point to it all. It's absolutely fantastic um, and, and it was literally my lockdown bible. So that was a great um, achievement to read such a massive book over lockdown. Also coming out, so we've got Monica's Overcoat of Flesh, which is Geraldine Clarkson, and that's coming out on Nine Arches. It's poetry. Keeping in the poetry, Get Over Yourself by Leanne Moden, and also Rick Dove has something coming. These are both on Burning Eye Books. Uh, Rick Dove's book is Tales from the Other Box. Coming um, slightly off, off my usual, I've noticed that there's a new comic, Stake, which is coming out, which is Will, Will Conway and Mark Olivent, and it's a dark, tongue-in-cheek look at um, dinosaur meat. What else would you want to read about in a comic but dinosaur meat? Okay, so let's go in a little closer. And my first author that I want to highlight is Heidi James. Now, I've been following Heidi James's work since way back in the day. And this new book, The Sound Mirror, is an absolute triumph. Heidi James lives in London and lectures at Kingston University. Her poetry, essays and short stories have appeared in numerous publications. Mixed Lexia, Galley Baker Press, Dazed and Confused. I've been a great fan of Heidi's work since she first started publishing. And I've literally read all of her books. This latest novel, The Sound Mirror, is a triumph. It's a spellbinding book. I find her writing vivid, visceral, dark, powerful. Her writing pulls me in. It is highly addictive. The Sound Mirror, it spans three family generations from British-occupied India to southern England through intimately rendered characters. Heidi James has crafted a haunting and moving examination of class, war, violence, family and shame from the rich details of ordinary lives. It, I really couldn't, I couldn't put it down. I absolutely love this book. Let's have a little exclusive clip of Heidi James reading from the sound mirror. Good morning lovely Selena. This is Heidi James and I'm going to read a very short extract from my new novel The Sound Mirror. She's going to kill her mother today but she's no monster. She's not the villain. It's a beautiful day for it, winter sharp, the sky an unfussy blue. She's taken two days' holiday from work and hired a fancy car, a Mercedes, essential for this journey, where appearances and a quick getaway are everything. The man gave her a discount when she told him where she was going. The 200-mile round trip will be a breeze. She's dressed carefully, too, just jeans and a shirt, but they're expensive, well-cut, understated, but a signal to those in the know. So here we are, driving down to be face-to-face -face with her for the last time. Of course, we're along for the ride. How could we not? 
It's been a long time coming, and our fault, we should say. Funny that, speaking with one voice now, agreeing with each other. But yes, our fault and all the others, tangled up with poisons and infections and rottenness, our mothers and mothers' mothers containing us, we, in their bellies, seeds of each in the cells and the breath, before the splitting in two, the doubling like an atomic bomb. So now she holds us all, a rabble of ancestors, pressing up from inside against her skin. And she contains the next generation too, if she wanted, if she can bear to, bear it, bear a child, who could blame her if not. But for now, she's a sum of all us women, the total. She is what's left. And that was Heidi James reading from The Sound Mirror. Next up, I'd like to talk about Stuart Evers. He's got a fantastic new novel out this summer called The Blind Light. This book is published by Picador. The synopsis states that during his national service, Drummond meets the two people who will change his life. Carter, a rich, educated young man sent down from Oxford, and Gwen, a barmaid with whom he feels an instant connection. Told from the perspectives of Drum and Gwen, and later their children, Nathan and Annika, the blind light moves from the late 50s through to present day, taking in the global and local events that will shape and define them all. From the Cuban Missile Crisis to the War on Terror, from the Dagenham Strikes to Foot and Mouth, from Skiffle to Rave, we see a family brought together, driven apart, fractured and reform as the pressure of the past is brought sometimes violently to bear on the present i'm such a massive fan of stuart evers and we have an exclusive little snippet of his book now they did not take it seriously his fellow servicemen or so it seemed to drum perhaps they saw it for what it was grown men playing war on a two square mile playground they slept well, did not dream of the destruction, thought only of Demob and the one, of heading home, of the lives that they would now lead. That's how it seemed, how it seemed as he envied their snores. In the mornings, there were field exercises in what they all called Doomtown. In the afternoons, short lectures in which they learned of blast radiuses, fallout drift, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, essential preparations. Jerick said, as he put on a radiation suit and mask, the men invited in groups of ten to try them out. Carter was in the first group. Drummond was called towards the end. He breathed heavily in the suit's interior silence, walked and felt the sensation of wading through deep water, heard his own heartbeat, terrifying fast. That was Stuart Evers reading from The Blind Light. I've got quite a few more books to share with you. Anna Wilson has a memoir out, A Place for Everything, which is a memoir about her mother's uh, late diagnosis of autism. So keep an eye out for that. That sounds beautiful. And Amanda Lees has, um, is just publishing The Crime Dictionary, which is an essential, essential resource for anyone out there that loves real-life crime and, and, is, and is a crime writer. I know, for one, that I, I'm going to be getting that dictionary um, for, for more research for Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. Um, and then ah, Rough Trade Books. Happy birthday to Rough Trade. Rough Trade Books is two years old. So check out the amazing content coming next week. Um, there's going to be all sorts of things. Watch out for Rough Trade Books on Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, it's the pamphlet Happy Hour. You can buy three and get one free. And also Rough Trade Books are now available as eBooks. So that's Pessimism is for Lightweights, of course, is published by Rough Trade Books. But all the pamphlets are just so beautiful and it's such a wonderful thing to own the whole collection. To wrap up the book section then, 
we end with the fantastic Nikesh Shukla, award-winning, best-selling writer of books and ten television. Famously, Nikesh is the editor of essay collection The Good Immigrant, as you all know, the book where 21 British writers of colour discuss race and immigration in the UK. The Good Immigrant won the Reader's Choice um, Books on My Bag Awards and it was shortlisted for the Book of the Year at the British Book Awards. A television show inspired by The Good Immigrant is currently in development. Besides all that, Nikesh Shukla's latest novel is Brown Baby. It's a memoir of race, family and home and will be published in February 2021 by Bluebird. Nikesh Shukla explores themes of racism, feminism, parenting and our shifting ideas of home. This heartbreaking, compelling, intensely relatable memoir is a love letter to the author's late mother, who sadly passed away just before his eldest daughter was born, and also to his two young daughters. In Brown Baby, Shukla examines with humour and sharp, beautiful prose how to raise the next generation with a sense of joy in an often bleak world. Here's a very exclusive snippet of that. Thank you, Nikesh. This is from my memoir, Brown Baby, a memoir of race, family and home, um, which is coming out on Bluebird on the 11th of February, 2020. Um, I love you, Selena Godden. I love you so much. I love you more than anything. I have so much to be thankful to you for. And thank you once again for providing me with an opportunity to share my work. But here's the opening of Brown Baby. How to bring you into the world. I never considered becoming a parent myself until my mum died. I'd like to think there was a moment when the switch flicked on or the force field came down or the upgrade happened between the hours of 1am and 4am plugged into a power source, Wi-Fi switched on. It was nothing like that. Nothing dramatic happened. There was no tearful staring out over a field of bluebells, no Proustian cake-chewing revelation and no need to cement my legacy. You didn't appear to me in a dream. I didn't read a saccharine poem about inheritance. I didn't hold a friend's baby and suddenly have the big final chorus of Barry Manilow's Looks Like We Made It erupt in my head. Nope. I did not hear that over-the-top, big-voiced, earnest finale rattle through my ear hairs. Looks like we made it! You just arrived. One minute your mum and I were getting drunk at Christmas and the next there you were, in my arms, asleep. Your clenched fist covered, covering your face much like they did on the ultrasound. Your nails were long, your eyes were closed. You looked just like her, just like my mum. Maybe it was a trick of my imagination or some sort of sleep-deprived adrenaline fueled tether to bring you into the family. Maybe you just sort of look like mum in the way babies and old people are indistinguishably vole-like in certain lights. I tried to capture it on my camera. But you know how photographs capture moments and never the narratives that prescribe them? Some photographs lack intent. Others capture fragments and only you can zero in on the history of that moment. Everyone else can just see the vole baby with her claws over her face. I look at it now and that photo of you looks like you and not like her. My mind was playing tricks on me in those early moments because when I first took in your face, all I could see was my mum. It was like she was alive again and I was whole. The quick camera phone photo I took when I checked it hours later on the phone, because this was the only sanctum left, how wrong I was, I have no sanctum, in the maelstrom of your first day on earth, where I could justify looking at my phone, 
Nothing looked like look looked nothing like what I'd thought. I had captured <laughs> it looked like you and not like her. The photograph was of your face, a new entry, something I had not seen before, someone I had not yet met, a stranger. And yet, when I walked back into the bedroom and saw you asleep on your back in your own mother's arms, the only light coming from the landing, I saw it again. I saw her in you. Were you her reborn? I shook the thought from my head. How could I project onto a baby the blankest of canvases, my own grief? How unfair. And when you cried, I took you in my arms and went into another room. I stood in the window and swayed from side to side. The curtains were open. I looked out, out into the windows of the flats behind our house. The man with the beard was washing up, as he always seemed to do. In the room below him, two people I'd never seen before were holding onto a bowl and moving it in a slow, controlled, ceremonious circle between them. I don't know what an ayahuasca ceremony looks like, but I wondered if the bowl had some sort of hallucinogenic liquid in it. The guy who had his window open every single day, all year round, for unknown reasons that drove me cra crazy with speculation had his window open. I say none of this so that you think I'm a creep who spends his time staring into other people's homes. I say this so that in that moment, I say this so that, so you know that in that moment, as I stared down at you trying to take stock of the fact that my entire world had changed, my entire life was on a new course, everything around us was exactly as it should be. The world continued to turn and not move to the beat of just one drum and that grounded me. It stopped me freaking the fuck out. In India, the Ganges River is worshipped as representative of the goddess Ganga. Ashes are scattered into the Ganges. People wash themselves as a way of honouring Ganga, hoping to wash away sins, have a new start, change their fortune. Moksha. It is freedom from life and death. That's what Ganga can bring us. The Ganges descends from her heaven to earth. She is also the vehicle of ascent from earth to heaven, a crossing point of all beings, the living as well as the dead. We scattered my mother's ashes in the Ganges, and here she was, reborn in you, my Ganga. My liberation from life and death, my fortune, you were my Ganga. A renewal, moksha, you were my moksha, bringing me a sense of rebirth, emancipation, enlightenment, liberation and release. I had been knocked off course by my mum's death and now here you were to bring me back my Ganga. You will not catch me staring at the sun Not sucking on a dum-dum Not turning round to run no hallelujahs and no kingdom comes So you will not catch me staring at the sun Do you hear that phone door? That's the sound of strength in numbers Fee fee fi fi fo fo fum I smell the blood of a million sons a million daughters from a hundred thousand guns Not taught by our teachers on our curriculum Do you hear that thunder? That's the sound of strength in numbers 
single thing that's ever been mended By you standing there and saying you're offended Go ahead, tell them what I've intended I'll say what I mean, do what I love and fucking send it That was Bristol punk rockers Idols with our latest track Grounds and now we're going to pick up on part two of the interview with Amarose and Elena. When I when I go to a protest I, I, I approach it in, a, in quite a, not a methodical way, but it, it's almost I have to eat because you can't just suddenly um, grab a sandwich and go to the toilet so you have to prepare, yes. you have to have like good protein in, in the morning and um, you know have a spare battery. Um, you know, memory cards, you know, be prepared, have a bit of water, uh, make sure the water is nowhere near the camera, that kind of thing. And everything has to be compact, you're carrying everything. Yes. Um, and then, you know, you just get a feeling. I, my, my feeling for the protest usually starts when I'm on the tube and I'm looking to see who else is going on the protest. Uh. And then I try to, yeah, and I try to kind of capture, you know, are they going on the protest? Are they, you, you know, you kind of, you're looking for those signs, um, those yes. invisible signs. And, um it's it's a case of it's a case of really owning the space but being invisible um mm -hmm. when i say owning the space you're probably going to be in different places at the same time looking for the picture but then um in 2017 um i didn't have anywhere to um there were so many um thousands of um women men children at the women's march um london um rally as it was all over the world that you couldn't walk anywhere and I remember seeing this image and thinking, really? In front of me? I don't think so. <laughs> um, and then I suddenly realised, you know, you have to take this because, you know, we were hemmed in. Mm. And they were one of the best images, um, you know, from that uh, march. So I think pictures are always there, but uh, sometimes it, it comes to you almost like a film in slow motion. And, but you always have to be ready. You know, we all have eyes, but do we all see? Uh -huh. um, and that's that's the feeling that I have and the mood that I have when I'm there. And I think also with these more recent protests as well, so many people couldn't make it or were afraid to yes. come. So I think the images from these protests have been particularly important to people. 
It's about sharing um, the energy, sharing the moment, but it's also about uh, representation. And um, there was a lovely lady at Marble Arch, and uh, I said, you know, I went up to her. She's with um, her children. I said, can I take your picture? And she was like, who, me? Mm. No, 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 you're not talking to me. And I said, actually, I am talking to you. Is your picture I want? And she's like, no, 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 no. I said, yes. And she was like, no, 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 but look at my daughter. I said, I'll take that picture afterwards, but it's your picture I want. So she was like, and then she pulled a couple of funny faces because she was like, she she wasn't used to having her picture taken. And then she settled. And then we took the picture. So like I said, right now it's done. And then then I I can take the family picture. And that's how I approach it. Yep. And they they took their picture, but it's her picture I wanted. Um, And she... um, she would be someone that maybe maybe the other photographers, you know, being male of a certain age and often of a certain colour, would overlook. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, you know, she's not someone that that I would ever overlook, and and that's 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 how I roll. Um, and I, but I've got a particular fascination with uh, female photographers. Through the ages, if you look at Eve Arnold, who started taking pictures at 42, I think. Yeah. Or professionally, and she was pushing, um, and there was an, and then um, there was, there's a whole history of women either when they've just had children or walking around the city and having this almost an invisibility cloak or a window into a world that works both ways, I guess, is what I'm saying. Whereas the the photographer you might expect takes the pictures you might expect, but also the unexpected photographer sees things that that photographer wouldn't get access to. Yes, I mean I started I think taking pictures when I was about I was probably about forty five. Yeah. As, as I said, I'm fifty one now, and you know I look like some, you know in fact if I'm when I took a couple of um, um, at the Black Lives Matter protest at uh, the rally in Hyde Park. And I uh, approached like a group of guys, yeah. young guys, about my son's age in their twenties or younger. And one of them was wearing a yellow balaclava. He was on a bike, mm. and I, you know, approached them and said, you know, and they're looking at me. And I said, I know you're looking at me like I'm chatting nonsense, right? I said, but you know, do you think you can poke a, a camera at your, at your mum's face? And they were like, no, 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 Auntie, we could never poke a camera at my mum's face. We have to get permission. I said, exactly. And that's the same way I'm asking you now. <laughs> and then they understand. Yes. And they're like, oh. And then, yeah, I said to the other guy, so put your phone down. And he was like, okay, okay. And it was quite <laughs> funny. We shared this, like, um, this moment. And then I, you know, I took the picture. And, um, and I showed them the picture. Um, but I'm not afraid to go up to anyone um, at all. Um, mm. I, I, I become fearless um, at a protest. You know, I've been elbowed in, un- in uncomfortable places, you know, by other photographers. Mm. And, you know, some have said, you know, move out of the way. Yeah. And I'm often, in fact, most often, I don't usually see another black female photographer there. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I'm there as much as I can be. And um, I, I, take, I take my shots for me and I share them. And um, I know I've done, I know I've done a, you know, a good day's work. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, yeah, you you always have from what I see. And I, but I wanted to ask, in a slight departure, for you to tell me about your work with food, your work on Crazy Delicious, and your food photography. Ah, well, after capturing a protest and doing the protest on Saturdays, on Sundays it was all about cooking, um, as it is for many families. So I would go to the market and um, 
buy things and then take them back and do a still life, very much in the same way that I started with my photography, um, but doing um, a still life of the food that I've bought, and um, then I would cook it and, cook it and eat it. <laughs> um, and I started doing that and putting it on Instagram, um, under the food handle that I have. And um, then the production company um, contacted me, scouted me from my food Instagram account. And all the messages, you know, you get messages on Instagram. There's messages in one folder, primary, then general. And there was this message, and I thought, yeah, yeah, right, okay, whatever. And um, didn't realise that actually it was real. <laughs> And it's so, and it's just, it's, but, and it's, it's kind of the work that you went on to do. So interesting, such an amazing uh, project, um, so creative in, and kind of fun. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, um, I got scouted and then I auditioned. Yeah. And then they asked me to be a contestant on the uh, programme. Um, it aired on Channel 4 in February. And now it's on Netflix worldwide in the US. That's amazing. And, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I cooked. I had to, I mean, I knew I could cook, but I wanted to see if I could think like a chef. Yes. And, um, yeah, and yeah, I got amazing comments from them and then I've been cooking ever since and photographing what I cook, obviously, and yes. then eating it. You know, it's not staged. It's, uh, you know, I don't use, you know, I know there are people, uh, you know, for the shot, they've got to use things uh, for the longevity of the shot you know, to get the right colours and things, you know, I'm eating it afterwards, if I, you know, so I'm quite, I'm always quite serious about that, so the food is real, yes. and um, untouched, um, in the same way with my portraiture, I don't use Photoshop, what you see is what you get, um, usually, everything I try to frame in the camera perfectly. Okay, wonderful, thank you so much for coming on Not and speaking all. to me today, Elena, and um, yes, a friend of the show, we're big fans of your work here, and um, look forward to maybe meeting you um, when we can get out and about a bit more easily. <coughs> Sorry about the cough, I've got allergies with Hayley. Oh, me too, me too. <laughs> but can I just mention, I've been asked to um, participate in a cookbook which supports... Um, the BAME community and uh, being affected with COVID. Ah. Oh. And it's uh, called Community Comforts and um, it's organised by a wonderful uh, guy, Riaz um, Phillips. So um, my dish is, is there and you can all pre-order it and download it for $9.99. All right, and, wonderful. Uh, Where can people find that? and saltfish. Oh, um, oh, I love ackee and saltfish. Yeah, but I've done it in quite an... You know, I, I, I've just um, added bits to it like I do. Because um, after all, I did um, serve back in Saltfish to Heston. Yes. Heston Blumenthal. <laughs> so, yeah, he knows it. And yes. uh, so I, 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 I just played around with the dish more. And they've used um, 100 chefs, of which I was really honoured to be part of it, uh, for such a worthy cause. Yeah. And um, where can people find that? Is there a website address? If you go on to uh, Community Comforts, um, uh -huh. Community um, Comforts, um, dot, I think it's um, dot .com or dot .co .uk, uh, or look it up on Instagram. If you go into my site, you'll see it, and there are directions how to um, how to pre-order. All right, thank you so much. That's brilliant. So head to it's the head. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. And everyone, head to that link and download that book. Sounds like a good purchase for a good cause. Thanks, Elena. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care. Take Bye. Care. Bye. Bye.
Hi, this is Emma Rose. Welcome to my art section. I am coming to you live and direct from Selena's kitchen. This is a pre-record, so if anything happens in the next couple of days, um, then um, please forgive me. <laughs> it won't be included in this roundup. So basically, this month sees everything opening up, but not quite as we know it. Commercial galleries have been open for a couple of weeks by appointment only and it's gradually opening in a normal way. I went down last week to Mayfair to have a look at some art for the first time in months, which was wonderful. I made an appointment at Pace Gallery and went to look at, the first thing I went to look at was some James Terrell works that were just beautiful, these light works. I find his work very transporting at the best of times but after 
a long time of not seeing anything like it. It blew me away and overwhelmed me in ways that I didn't expect. I just kind of stood there alone in the gallery, soaking it up. A really wonderful experience. Um, obviously, I've been alone in a gallery many times before, but it's not quite as we know it. There is a slightly different atmosphere now. And um, yeah, still wonderful experience to look at the art. I then popped into David's Werner and went to the amazing Paul Clay exhibition there. Just fantastic. Check it out. And some wonderful Bridget Riley's um, 80s, 90s Bridget Riley's on the top floor. Worth going up the stairs for, for sure. Very exciting to see. I then popped to Stephen Frieden Gallery and saw the Jonathan Bulldog and the Andreas Eriksson exhibitions, which are both fantastic. Jonathan Bulldog makes um, these kind of sculpture, ceramics and totems. I, anyway, so in this exhibition, they're kind of totems and they about the body and they talk and they make sounds and they're very, very interesting. His last show there I also loved, which was more kind of wall works, but also ceramic. Fantastic, these kind of masks. Um, really, really fantastic work. And Andreas Eriksson, wonderful work made from fabric and tapestry, um, which is something I've written about in the past. And so I was very excited to see that and was not disappointed. And some wonderful paintings as well, large, large scale stuff. And they um, also have a Yinka Shonabare sculpture, Justice for All, in the window, which you can see from the street there in Mayfair so I would check out all of those while they're still going and many more as things begin to open up and with um with the Stephen Friedman they had a little system where you leave your details and then you know just to be safe if anything happens then you get an email and you know then if, if you come into contact with anyone with symptoms then you can isolate so it's all, it's all very well done and um, I also um, felt very safe in the gallery environment. It was my, you know, first time going into town, etc. But it all felt very safe, very secure, and very pleasant experience. The National Gallery opens on Wednesday, and um, so that's I think they've opened with all kinds of distancing and routes around the museum which means that you can enjoy the work and they've also redone a section of the museum so definitely worth popping down there to have a look and just experience it and Tate opens on 27th of July so that should be something to look forward to um I've already booked my ticket with a friend gonna go in a kind of non-work capacity and just try and be around this you know these art pieces that I've been looking at for I don't know mind <laughs> for as long as it's been there you know it's been so strange being away from the public art collections you know and being away from galleries I feel like it's part of my life it's part of my work but also these are places that I've been going to for my whole life growing up in London and so it's been strange not to have that uh, over the last few months, but a lot of things have been strange, but strange particularly for me, maybe. Now we have a track. Um, coming up now is Pictures of You by The Cure. 
That was The Cure with Pictures of You, and now we're going to have a poem by Stephen Lightbound. Uh, Stephen Lightbound is a Bristol-based poet who writes mainly about his life as a wheelchair user. His first poetry collection, Only Air, was published in 2019 by Burning Eye Books, and you can find him online at Spoken Pencil. Uh, this is a recording of a poem uh, that was performed during an Insta session a couple of weeks back, and I think it's really um, relevant now because it's talking about accessibility. Um, so yeah, over to Stephen Lightbound. For the Paralympics, London became so accessible overnight. I was living in London at the time. And uh, my local pub, I lived near the O2 Arena, and my local pub changed its name to the Wheelchair Basketballer. And it put pictures of people playing wheelchair basketball on all the walls. And it put a ramp into the front door. And after the Paralympics finished, it all came down, and the ramp came out. And loads of other things like that in terms of access came down. And so as far as I was concerned, there was no Paralympic legacy. It, like, it, it, it didn't make it beyond the weekend. So um, in, in my book, there's a poem about that. So I'm going to read this because it sort of feels relevant, even though eight years on, we're still kind of banging on about the same things. Cool. So this is called A Paralympic Dream Stuck in 2012. A golden mustard globule falls like a medal from the sky. It lands unseen in a family-sized diet coat for one. He shoots, he scores. I watch intently as a hot dog hand is clapped against a Team GB form finger. A capacity crowd, wheelchair basketball at the O2. This is the unthinkable happening. I count how long the adulation will last. 2,400 seconds, four 10 minute quarters of fitting in. My height, now useless at slam dunks, but once good at the game we watch, grasps at the hysteria in hungry swipes. I turn to my wife, where are all these people yesterday? She replies, just enjoy the fact they're here. Tomorrow, this city will return to the home of good intentions, empty promises and inaccessible tube stations. Cheers for chairs will be as distant as the shrill full-time whistle soon to be blown. In the morning, I will play a new game, Reflection Roulette. Which version of me will London see tomorrow? Will this Paralympic legacy even make it to Monday? After the match, I tweet the star player for Team GB. Hey Dan, I don't know if you remember me. We played together 10 years ago. Watched you at the O2 tonight. 
thought you were brill. A tiny bird brings a message. Hey man, of course I remember you. How are things? I'm not sure, I think. Great, I reply. There they go again. Filling your mouth with their name. There they go again. Adding more weight to your burden. There they go again. Giving you all the anxiety. Whilst telling you not to panic. When the panic is rooted in centuries of there they go again. There they go again. There they go again. Contradicting their own rules, or double speak, double standards. There they go again. Your dead are statistics, your ghosts live in hashtags. There they go again. Getting away with murder, but calling it anything else. There they go again. Doing nothing, as you're vulnerable and sick and the dying need all your love and care and your living need all of your focus energy and time there they go again filling your plate with their jobs and the work they should do as your elected leaders there they go again dominating your thoughts so no work can get done there they go again Grimacing on the front page, hogging the limelight with this theatre of performative cruelty. There they go again, suffocating light and hope, like a pillow held fast over the face of the kicking and struggling truth. There they go again, consuming all the oxygen and rewriting history. There they go again, like it's all about them, but it is because of them, and it is in spite of them. There they go again, obscuring the facts, blurring the edges, blinkering the horse, filtering the picture. And it is not the names of the dead, nor the names of the nurse. Not the name of the innocent, but their name in your mouth. How can it be that when you wake in the night, wailing and mourning and hurting, they are marching on your tongue, they are renting your insomnia? There they go again, using your anguish as garnish, using your defence as attack, using your fear to divide you, Using your rage to pass draconian laws. Using your pain to sell shit back to you. Using your grief to decorate newspapers. Using your anger to kill you. Because there they go again. Casting an ass in the lead role. The wealthy politicians in the spotlight. The hideous clown gets top billing. The monster as the headline act. Your horror gets a walk-on part. Your mourning cries 
are extras. Your fury is the chorus line. Your humanity, the supporting cast. And justice waits in the wings. And justice waits in the wings. There they go again. Justice waits in the wings. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. We've just had a beautiful poem by Stephen Lightbound, uh, followed by a track. Selena, do you want to tell us about the track? Um, that was a poem that I've been working on uh, called Wild Justice Waits. This is a new version made by Anna Phoebe. She just sent it over this very minute, so you're the first people to hear that. It's a work in progress. I've been working with Anna throughout lockdown um, just by sending files to each other, and she sent that just as we've made that show, so you're the first people to hear that. And I hope you liked it. So we're coming to the end of the July programme, episode eight of Roaring Twenties Radio. Yes, yeah, and um, I just, every time we do this show, I kind of think back to when we started, when we came up with this idea late last year and thinking, well, maybe people want to hear something about activism. Maybe people need to hear about books and art together and with the message that we have and the ideals that we share here. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen. <laughs> it blows my mind every time. Yeah, it's mad, but all the more better for having a programme like this for us to make, just for us, and hopefully for people to listen to as well. Um, what a time to be making this show. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and we hope that it's felt like a little festival in your ears of music and poetry and books and culture and art and activism. We hope that you're all going to be safe and sensible and safe and sound and look out for each other and look out for yourselves. Thank you for listening. Please give us a follow. It's at Roaring Twenties Radio and you can find the episode as a podcast in all of the usual places. And if you go and have a look at our Twitter at Roaring Twenties Radio, you will find links to and references to everything we've recommended and mentioned in the show. Thank okay, you very much. That's us for this, for this month. Catch us next month. That's Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Thank you.
2020s Radio, the show for the 2020s, roaring for art, culture, books, poetry and activism, with Selena Gordon, Emma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. Find us every month on Soho Radio. You can find previous episodes as podcasts and social media links at anchor.fm forward slash roaring20sradio and the 20s is 20s.